welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. Sermon by Matt Carpenter on October 2nd, Lord's Day Service. which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for redeeming us, for restoring us through Christ, for bringing us into the land that you have promised. May we receive your promises and may we walk in them. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, amen. There are several things that are comforting to hear, especially before you go into surgery. One of the things you don't want to hear, just as you are going under the anesthesia, is your surgeon whisper to the nurse, you know I've read about this surgery before. It's the first time I've ever done it. Or perhaps when you get a repairman to come out to your home, he's looking at an appliance and says, I've seen these parts in a catalog, but never actually on the motor. Hopefully you've never heard that and will not hear that. But we expect people to have a greater knowledge than just what they read in a book. Even if you memorize what you've read in a book. We want a surgeon who has not only read, but who has been taught, mentored, and corrected by a wiser, older surgeon. So in the same way, what makes a Christian? How do we define a Christian? We know that there are the covenant signs, signs of baptism, especially the sign of baptism especially, but there you know, also other traditions. You have to say a prayer. You have to undergo uh, scrutiny from a group of elders in order to verify something. We have these signs, and that's not the most important thing that I'm emphasizing today is just the, the, the certificate, essentially. Just like a surgeon has a certificate saying, that this person has gone through med school and has passed. 
But it's more than, than that piece of paper. I'm not saying that doesn't mean anything. Coming into the covenant is necessary. But then what? If all we have is the water of baptism and there's nothing that follows it, we're in bad shape. As parents, we must train our young disciples. I'm going to hold off today on on using the term Christian too many times because I don't want to cause anyone who may not see it in the the, the regular way that we in the Reformed world do. But so, So let's use the term disciples because that is exactly what the paideia the, the nurture and admonition of the Lord is. It's discipleship. Jesus said to go into the world and make disciples. So where does that start? It starts in your home. Nowhere in Scripture are we commanded to pursue conversion in our children. But in numerous places, we're told to teach them, to raise them in the ways of the Lord. Ephesians 6.4. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 8. And we could talk about other places where we read that. But but I I want to, to emphasize especially Deuteronomy 6 today, as we've, been, we've talked about Paideia, that, that, that being raised and teaching our children in the Lord's admonition. Last week we looked at the, or a couple of weeks ago, what the ground of Paideia is. That is, the, being in the covenant. That's the basis for our identity. But then there's also a goal. The goal of Paideia is to raise children who will walk with the Lord, who will love the Lord with all their heart, soul, and mind, and who will love their neighbor. But then we come to the actual preparation part, the formation. That's what paideia is. It's forming children, forming disciples in the Lord's ways. So the first thing we're told in verse 7, he says to teach them, teach your children, teach, teach God's commands diligently to your children. He calls it, verse 6, the words that I have commanded you. So we're to teach our children diligently. That phrase, teach them diligently, in Hebrew is actually one word. And it refers to, this teaching is piercing, sharpening, forming, getting below the surface of something, inculcating it thoroughly. We cannot manufacture faith in our kids. We can't put the breath of God in their hearts. But we can shape them. We're called to shape them, to form them in the way of righteousness, and we then bring them to the holy fire of God's Word. 
and trust the wind of the Spirit, that is the breath of God, to blow where he, did, where he directs, as he, Jesus teaches in John 3, when he says the wind blows where it will. No one can see where it's come from or where it's going. So is everyone who is born of God. Like Abraham, our job is to lead our children to God's holy mountain, to prepare them to be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. But unlike Abraham, we pray and wait for the fiery breath of God to change our children. Paideia is the forming, shaping, and preparing our children as living sacrifices. So how do we do that? To begin with, we're told we must, we parents must be filled with the Word of God. He begins by saying that all the words that is, the Torah, should be in your heart. Verse 6, these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. For our children to be living sacrifices, first, we must be living sacrifices. We're not just telling them to do something that we ourselves will not do. And it's not a question of just one time I joined the church, I was baptized, so now here I am. No, we present ourselves daily. As Paul died daily, he's, by his own words, we too are called to die daily. To form our children in the way of Christ, we must be first formed in the, that same way. Parents should be filled with God's Word. Charles Spurgeon once said this about John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress and many other works, quote, Prick him anywhere and you will find that his blood is Bibline. The very essence of the Bible flows from him. He cannot speak without quoting a text, for his soul is full of the Word of God. End quote. This goes much deeper than just know the rules. You can do this, you can't do that, you better not do that on Sunday, and so on. But when we think of Deuteronomy, when we think of God's law, what do we think of? When we think of the judgments of God, we automatically, and it's one of Satan's really good methods, we jump to do's and don'ts and think, this is the part and parcel of Scripture. This is, what I ha this is my job. When the, the Word of God is, yes, it is that, but it's so much more than that. That would be like if you bring someone from a foreign country who's never been to the United States, never heard of the United States, you bring them to America and you give them a list of the city's legal code and say, this is what it means to be an American. Would anybody do that? Would anyone say traffic violation number 26A, this is 
the meaning of America. You may say, well, it kind of is now, and we're not going to talk about that. It goes a lot deeper than that, right? So it is with Scripture. We have a great hall of witnesses, a great crowd, and all of them have examples, and those examples should be what fill our souls. Scripture is the tool by which we are transformed, Romans 12, 2. The, the, the very text about being a living sacrifice. When Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by God's mercy, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So does Scripture occupy a central place in your head and heart? What is the first thing you reach for in the morning when you wake up? Don't answer that out loud. What is the first thing? So, so let's just go ahead and be honest. When you pick up your phone, what is the first app? you attend to? Is it email? Is it social media? Is it your Bible reading? Now, this is not a question of sin, all right? So, so, so this is not a matter that if you don't do it the way the preacher says, actually, let's just get to lunch. No, that's not the matter. But it is something to think about. Because whatever you reach for first says something about who you are. It says something about what you love. And that's what, this, that, that's what the point is. This is not about guilt. This is what grabs your heart. Because whatever grabs your heart will grab your kid's heart. That's why Moses begins with that the word must be in you. So that video or the article or the podcast can wait. Wisdom, which is being able to apply God's Word to the situations we encounter every day, wisdom comes from reading, from prayer, and from life experience. Well, you can't manufacture life experience. It comes in God's good time, but you can read Scripture and pray. So be filled with the Word of God. But also, after we're filled, we're told to train our children. Teach them diligently, he says. Now this sounds obvious to us. We, ought to, we fill in the gaps. Teach them diligently. We think that our job as parents is to communicate information all the time. But not so fast. Christian paideia is not like building a bookshelf with two-by-fours. You just put all the boards where they're supposed to go, you take the drill, and you put the screws in, and there you go. So when you translate that, it's more than just memorizing the stories, giving the catechism questions and answers, drill, 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 drill. 
Training our children is not like downloading updates to our computer. We just have to give them, give them the word, hit restart, and then bam, they're sanctified. We're cultivating. We're sharpening. It's much, it's much more along the lines of someone who is carving with wood. You ever carved before? If you, if you have a wood carving set, I've not done it myself, but, but I had a friend who did, and he showed me how, he, how many times he nicked up his hands. Yes, he, thankfully he nicked up the wood as well, but his hands were, I mean, because he made mistakes. Any of you as parents made mistakes? You can say, well, see, I don't want to mess with that. Well, being a parent, if, if you do the job, if you pursue this calling, you will hurt yourself sometimes. You will make a nitwit of yourself sometimes. That comes with a territory because we're not, as I said, doing something that is painless. We're doing something, though, that is priceless. It is eternal. We are living instruments in the hands of the Almighty. Do you remember Psalm 127? Where he says that our children are like arrows. Ancient arrows were shaped, whittled, and sharpened. But before we can even get to the, to the arrow part, what do you have to start with? I almost said wood doesn't grow on trees, but then that would have totally ruined everything right there. That's why you have to be careful and actually write your sermon down. You can make bad analogies sometimes. It begins with the plant. Making arrows begins with the plant. This is where Proverbs 22, verse 6 comes in when we're told, train up a child in the way he should go. Again, we jump to this and we say, oh, train up a child. That means spank the kid until he does what I want. Isn't that how we usually interpret it? You have to bend, snap, do whatever you have to do to get this kid in line. But 100% obedience does not equate a heart that's trained towards God. Now, yes, we should strive for obedience. We should push for obedience. But if, that, if outward conformity is the only goal you have, you will likely fail. Training up a child is a reference to training a plant to go in a particular way, training the branches of a vine or of a tree to, to curve in a certain way. We must, as parents, see the natural shape of our children, of these branches, and train them in the way that is best. Not every branch will be used for the same thing. And then, though, after it is trained, after it is mature, then we begin sharpening. 
whittling, and so on. But even then, we're called to be students of our children. Just like every vine or tree branch is unique, so is every child. Parenting books are great. The principles given in parenting books are great. But you have to do the work as well to learn your kids. You know this. Not every child is alike. You have your first kid. And you go for a little bit and you think, okay, I'm, I'm starting to get accustomed to having a new person in the house. And then you have another and you probably try some of the same things on the second one that you did with the first one, and you see it doesn't always work out. It's not just it's not a letter variable that you can fill in the same value for, and it always work out the way you want. So when sharpening our children, we must learn to go with their particular grain. Realizing... We must realize when we come, like when you're whittling, like when you're sharpening, when you come to a knot, you can't just say, I don't like this. I'm just going to cut it all out. You have to be wise. So learn the frame of your children. Learn what they like. Learn what makes them tick. You can form them, but you can't remove what God put in and try to shape your children in your own image. Because God did not make your children you. There are purposes in this eternal world, in, 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 in this life, that only your child can fulfill. So your calling is to shape each of your children for their particular purpose. And I'm not saying you'll know what that purpose is. But give yourself to the work of learning your children. So this is not a license, though, to let them sin. Some parents take this. They say, I want to be an understanding parent. I'm just trying to go with our grain so we let them run rampant and call it biblical. That's not wise either. But this is guidance. I mean, it comes down to this. They need to know that you are pursuing them, not just their behavior. They need to feel the love radiating from you. And I don't just mean, you know, when, you, when you're about to discipline them and you're radiating something and you're calling it love. That, that's not necessarily the same thing. But they need to experience the love of their parents. And again, it takes work. It requires you to do things that you might not feel like doing. If your children are not confident of your love for them, their resistance hardens. But don't panic. Wherever you are, don't panic. Take the opportunities you have to bless them, to magnify their strengths rather than only correcting their weaknesses. This is all a part of training them. So we're told to train. We're also told, though, to to teach. 
Verse 7, you, shall, you should teach them diligently. So there's the training part, and then there's the actual teaching. But there's several parts even here. In our teaching, the first thing we do, and this, this is plain enough, we use words. We use the instructions that God gives us, and we apply these with our children. Paul talks about words, how God's law is used in Galatians 3. He calls it our schoolmaster or our tutor who guides us where? Where does this holy schoolmaster guide us? Paul says it guides us to Christ. We can think of a schoolmaster, as I used to think of it myself, like someone who is like Charles Dickens' teacher, Mr. Gadgrind. Just the name should tell you what he was like. Always drilling for facts, some of them useful, mostly not. Everything was just about memorization, but, but we can think of God's law like this schoolmaster who's never satisfied. You sinned again? Now, those words have come out of my mouth. So I'm, I'm not telling you anything that I've not already failed in before. But our words, our instruction should be something that's not just hauling them back, but point, the greater purpose is to point them to Christ. No, the, the law of God is a schoolmaster in the way that it is a wiser, older teacher who understands the nuances of a subject, but knows that the student can't yet comprehend those. You've had conversations with your kids before that you would, you want your kid to understand something, but you know he or she is just not there yet. That's what God's Word does for us. It directs us to things that we're not yet fully capable of understanding. And guess what? Wherever you are, however mature you are in the faith, you still don't understand one billionth of what you one day will. So we're all learning. We're all growing in this. That's why we must be students of the Word. So we give our children the Word. The law prepares us. It stirs our longings for Christ. This is why we should pursue God's pursue our children and pursue teaching them. Because when we give them the Word of God, we are stirring them, we are pointing them to Christ. And he says, the times that we should do it, it's all the time. When you lie down, when you walk by the way, when you sit in your house, when you rise up. So morning, noon, evening, before you go to bed, when you're walking together, every time is a good time to direct your family to Christ. This is part of our heritage. So it's something we're handing off. So there are words, but there are also symbols. 
That's also a part of teaching. Symbols are things that point to the truth. They were told to take the word and to bind them. Like phylacteries. Phylacteries were these small boxes that the priest would have and they'd put them in between their eyes. Or they'd put them on their hands. Sorry to disappoint you, but this is not a call to get a Jesus tattoo across your forehead. But it's saying that this should be something that is symbolized in your life. He says that it should be on your posts, the post of your doors. It should be around your home. So let me ask you, how do the symbols in your home point to what is good? Because whatever you have in your home is pointing to something. The symbols of our home and outside should be reminders of what is good, what is true, and of the God who gave us these things. So be aware of the symbols in your home and purposefully make symbols, have symbols that point to the truth. So there are words we teach through symbols. We also teach through liturgy. Liturgy is habits of devotion that point us to God. We studied the book of Leviticus and we saw in the past numerous actions, both as a family and as a nation, that Israel was called to perform. Things like offerings, washings, and so on. All of those direct the people to God. If we were to read further in Deuteronomy 6, verses 20 through 25, we see a family liturgy enacted. It says, when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is the meaning of the testimonies and statues and judgments which the Lord our God commanded you? Then you shall say, we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And he goes on to tell the story. This is a family liturgy. So we should create these things in our home. Set aside time as a family when you together go to God. Begin with prayer. Go together as a family in prayer to God and also read Scripture. doesn't have to be elaborate. You don't have to give a 45-minute exposition of the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. There are things like, in addition to, to what's commanded, that there, there's the church calendar, which we've not emphasized extensively, but it directs us to the work, to the events in the life of Christ. But with all these things, with words, with symbols, with liturgy, they can all be a plaster if we're not careful. They can be things that we do to paper over the problems in our home. There are, there are actions, and we can think as parents, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I can check off the boxes. I have given instruction. I have lovely symbols in my home, and I have regular liturgy. I have things that we do together. So I must be okay. But all of those 
three teaching elements must be cemented through the last type of teaching, which is your actions. Actions here are walking together in love for Christ and for one another. You teach by walking with your family. When you fall, humbly confess and repent. When someone else falls and needs correction, help him or her up. Exhort them, correct them, pray for them, and then continue walking in fellowship. Rather than dangling the sin over the head, put it aside. This is where our children learn the Christian life. They learn it from watching us. And it's not just in the ideal times. You know, everybody loves that sweet spot when you've just sung the last verse of a hymn and you actually had everybody singing. And then you read Psalm 2 and somebody actually had a question that you felt good about answering. That's, that's wonderful. We know those times and those are great. And may they quadruple. But... They also learn in the stormy times. When life is stressful, when you've missed the mark and everyone knows it, or they've missed the mark and they're concerned that you're going to come down pretty hard. This is where they need the grace of God. Your actions to come alongside them and walk with them through what they're facing. This is what training and shepherding is. When you fall, grow, get up. When they fall, correct them with grace and love them back into fellowship. We are disciples and we are training disciples. When we lead them in the ways of God, we are forming and preparing them, not only for this age, but for the age to come. So begin the work. Prepare the living sacrifices and walk with your children to the mountain of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for guiding us in wisdom, and we pray that you would continue to help us as we pursue the calling as parents. We pray this in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com That's trinityreformedkirk.com